0: After we moved to Australia, uh, we were actually looking for a rental accommodation for us to live in and uh, you know, we just passed a block of land that that was for sale and we are like okay, uh, don't know how property buying works in Australia so let's just give the agent a call and find out.
1: This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Taran Shum and in this episode, we're speaking with Cinch founder and positively personified Savit Arora. He takes us on a journey through his childhood in India, amidst his brave declaration that could have cost him everything and details the wild ride that brought him to Australia motivating us with a suspenseful story with an unexpected ending. His tale is a colorful one beginning in the Indian city and taking detours through Hong Kong and London before settling down in Australia. He's been in the property investment space for around 10 years and reinventing the art of financial lending when he founded Cinch, a mortgage-broking business based in Melbourne.
0: Previously, I've, I've, I've been an educator um, so I used, to be, I used to be an analytics teacher. And then um, I went into investment banking. So I've worked with UBS in Hong Kong. I've worked with JP Morgan in London. I've done my MBA in finance from, from the UK as well. Um, and then uh, uh, to settle down with family, we moved to Australia. And that's where you know, the, the property journey and, and my own business started, so to speak. Um, and yeah, it was it, it was basically a natural progression combining my, my experience in the education sector, the finance and investment banking st- sector and also a bit of strategy consulting that I had done in my previous life. So all of that has been brought in together to build this space um, with, with the business where you know not only am I growing my own property portfolio but I'm helping others achieve that property dream in Australia as well.
1: A typical day for Aurora involves handling a ton of calls, up to 220 per day. This works out well for him as he loves connecting with others and discussing their property journeys.
0: It's basically just you know talking to different people, uh, trying and understand what they want to achieve in in their property journey, and then how we can strategize and help them get there faster. Um, right. And and that's that's what my day to day looks like just just talking to a lot of people, and also then obviously coordinating with my team uh, that who are absolutely excellent at what they do, and just putting things together for each and every client of ours, and making sure we give them really good customer service as well.
1: He remembers how he felt when COVID first arrived, bringing forecasts of doom and gloom to property investors around the country. As we all came to see, everything turned upside down.
0: When the pandemic started, obviously, there were a lot of experts talking about, you know, anywhere between 25 to 30% fall in property prices. Um, And then about eight months later, those same uh, experts had done a complete U-turn and said, now we we expect property prices to go up by 20 to 30%.
1: No, that one's true. That one is true. Not the plummet, but the up is true. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. And, and 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 I think just like you know, um, not many people are sure about how this pandemic is going to pan out. Uh, you know, everyone's been you know playing it as as things come and and uh, you know just trying to maneuver around it and and find the best possible way they can and guessing, so to speak. In most cases, they're not. I think the same has been true for. The property market during this period as well—it's uh, been anybody's guess. Um, uh, especially as I pointed out, I mean, those there were a lot of experts who pointed at a downward spiral, and then it actually went up, and then they changed tack. And you know, over the last six months now, we've seen a bit of you know stability coming back into the market on the back of some rate increases and and you know different moves that are being taken by the banks. So yeah, it's it's been a roller coaster, so to speak. Uh, but yeah, it's been keeping us on our toes, keeping us busy. And as you said, you know, January, which typically is a is a is a quiet month, has been quite um, busy as well.
1: Stepping back further, Aurora reflects on his childhood, where he got used to traveling at a young age. Uh,
0: so I grew up grew up in uh, in the north of India, uh, in a well in the state of Punjab, but uh, travel a lot around a lot because of. Um, you know the job my dad was in so we had to travel a bit but um, he passed away at a, a, at a very young age for me so I was only 11 when he passed away and after that we moved to Chandigarh um, that's where I did all my schooling I went to college um, basically you know grew up in that city and that's where my first job and my first business also was um, I started my first business as a 17 year old uh, uh, straight straight out of school so I did that for a few years uh, while, you know, attending uni as well as uh, doing some uh, work as, a, as an educator side by side. Um, and then, you know, my journey took me to, to uh, Hong Kong from there uh, to join UBS Investment Bank. So, so Yeah, life's, life's been interesting.
1: His entrepreneurial flame was ignited by his maternal uncle, another young businessman who took Aurora under his wing. So
0: mum and dad were always, um, you know, um, as we call them you know payg employees so so they 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 were not very much into entrepreneurship i have actually taken all my um motivation and inspiration from my maternal uncle actually who Uh just like me who uh, he he basically got into business at the age of 16 um and he's just done really well for himself and and he's been my role model throughout my life everything i do um i always think of how he would do it um and I just try to, you know, uh, keep that in my mind and follow in his foot, footsteps. Um, so he's been a big inspiration, and uh, you know, um, that's. I think I sp- saw that spark in him, and they were always, even when I was a young child, um, there were all, always comparisons made between him and me because we, we age-wise, we we're only like fourteen years apart. So, so um, and uh, everyone always said, you know, uh, I'm, I'm just a replica of him from a very young age. So I guess. Um, you know, that, that, uh, that kind of nature is, is what helped me, um, you know, mold myself into someone I am today. Um, and, uh, you know, I just, I just hope that I've been able to do justice to, you know, his legacy, so to speak, and, uh, you know, continue to build on that. He's a, he's a very, very successful industrialist in India. Um, he has, um, over uh, 1,000 people employed under him and, and he manages, um, a very big, um, manufacturing business in India. Um, and, and he's, he's doing some international expansions as well. So, um, you know, I'm just trying to, as I said, follow in his footsteps and, and learn from him. I still learn from him. I still, uh, talk to him occasionally about, um, what, what I'm doing and what my plans are. And even though, you know, um, he, he tries not to, but Anything he says, I pick on it and you know, I'm able to learn something out of it as well uh, and just take that guidance from him even even though he he might not even know about it but I'm always listening and and taking cues from him and, and following that.
1: Another role model in Aurora's life is his school principal. From his time at St. Stephen's School in India, Aurora and his classmates still keep in touch with him and each other proving social media can certainly have its benefits.
0: School time was really fun. Um, uh, I, I have uh, quite a few memories of, uh, you know, when when I was at boarding school initially, and then 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 I started uh, when when I moved to Chandigarh and went to Saint Saint Stephen's School in Chandigarh. Um, one of the guiding lights that that pretty much every child in that school had was our, our school principal, who. Even till date, each and every one of us look up to his name is Mr. Harold Kawa, um, and uh, you know, even now, anytime we go back to India, we we make sure we go and visit him. If it's his birthday, everyone still wishes him. So he holds the utmost respect in each and everyone's hearts. He's he's touched so many lives, and and uh, you know, he's he's brought so many of us together, and and you know, we we've just continued to uh, just uh, do what we can to. Uh, do him proud as well. And then, um, all, all my friends from school and seniors and juniors, they're all, you know, throughout the world, uh, in, in various positions, capacities, and we are still connected. We we are still connected via social media. We talk on a regular basis. Um, and we have those friendships for life uh, where we can still call on each other. And, you know, there, there have been instances when I've walked into a display home here in Australia and there's a guy sitting there who I went to school with, and uh, and we, we we yeah we've come across each other you know after 25 years, and he's a banker with ANZ, so you know we've caught up like all all t- times. So, yeah, the school was an amazing place. Childhood was good, plenty of fond memories.
1: The schools he went to followed a similar path to the Australian schooling system. You
0: do your grade, grade one to ten, and then grade eleven and twelve, where you then start preparing for your uni and you decide what path you're going to take, whether it's going to be to become a doctor or an engineer or a lawyer. So it's, it's very similar. Um, so, so the path that, that we chose was for me to become an engineer. Um, and uh, you know, uh, I went to uh, Punjab Engineering College, which is also in Chandigarh. It's one of the top 10 universities in India. And um, I did my mechanical engineering there. Uh, and from there, you know, as I said, I, I started my own business. I, I worked on the side part-time, then became a full-time educator. Uh, and from there went went overseas
1: on his journey to discovering what he wanted to study at university a couple of the well desired options were automatically ruled out
0: so so funny enough i was i was never one who could read a lot i i am I'm, I'm one who's got really good memory um, and and i just learn from listening rather than reading and writing and all of that stuff um, so Law was out of the question for me for that reason because you have to do a lot of reading and writing. It was always a choice between becoming a doctor and becoming an engineer in my case, um, and the only reason I did not go to do my medical degree is um, I was never very good with blood. <laughs> so every time every time we did every time we did a dissection in 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 you know science class, I would just walk away from that session and not do it. Try try to avoid something like that. So I always knew, you know, that's something that's not my cup of tea, even though I, I, I had the mental capacity to become a doctor. Um, I just didn't have in it, in it me, in me to, to you know, uh, just just do that on a day to day basis. So the only only choice pretty much was doing engineering, um, which I think ended up being a very good choice in the end, because that allowed me to meet a lot of people, like minded people and then, you know, explore getting into the business side of things um because i think as i said from a very young age i i i had that in me that that i i could not work for someone for too long i was i've always been a very natural leader so um it it just fits my personality that that i build something of my own and you know i bring people together and make sure that we work as a team so so that was always going to happen and doing engineering actually was a stepping stone to that. I've never actually worked in an engineering job throughout my life.
1: Because you started a business, actually, tell us about the business that you started. What I'm saying What? What was it? Uh, so,
0: uh, I started an event management company uh, and uh, ran it for three years. So, so we were into organizing, you know, roadshows and and exhibitions and all the all of those those kind of things for corporates throughout North India. Uh, was pretty successful, um, but then uh, after three years of running in running it one of the bigger even management companies basically bought us out because we weren't you know we, we were competition but as at the same time we didn't have the resources to compete with them so i was happy for them to buy us out and you know in the meantime as i said i was already working part-time uh educating and and helping people prepare for uh their mba examinations so um i went into that full-time instead and and made that a career path in the meantime i always wanted to be on the finance side of things uh because because numbers just talk to me all the time so um and uh, back in the days investment banking was the buzzword right uh, this is uh yeah still it still is but um, you know at the time this is we, we're talking about pre-gfc um and uh you know everyone wanted to be an investment banker and so did i so um, I actually applied for a few positions in with UBS in Zurich, um, but for work permit reasons, I wasn't able to get that position. But they said, it's much easier to get you a work permit for Hong Kong, and we've got a similar position in Hong Kong if you would be interested. Um, so that's how the opportunity came about. And I basically just took it with both hands, got on the first flight possible, and um, and the day I flew out from India to Hong Kong is the day Lehman Brothers crashed.
1: I remember that very clearly. What was your feeling when you heard about that?
0: The feeling was, well, it is what it is. But but um, in my case, I'd always planned that um, investment banking, again, was part of a bigger plan because my, my keen interest was to do uh, do an MBA in finance and do it from one of the uh, better universities from the UK. Um, so for me, it was more about getting that international exposure in a big organization in the industry that i wanted to and ubs was a stepping stone for me and and that's how i saw it
1: coming up after the break aurora reveals the bold declaration he made risking it all
0: i still remember the first my first day at ubs we had a team lunch uh, to to welcome me into the team and we went out and my boss asks me you know so what's, what's your plan for the future? What do you, where do you see yourself in one, two, three years from now?
1: He shows how he didn't get to where he is today without a lot of grit and determination.
0: I still remember the day it was New Year's Eve and I was in the hospital and the doctor comes up to me and says, I'm sorry but you'll never be able to walk again.
1: He continues his shocking stories with the tale of how he purchased his first block of land in Australia.
0: After we moved to Australia, uh, we were actually looking for a rental accommodation for us to live in. And uh, you know, we just passed a block of land that, that was for sale and we're like, okay, uh, don't know how property buying works in Australia so let's just give the agent a call
1: and find out. And that's next. I'm Taran Sham and you're listening to Property Investory. Hey, let's be real Five months later, the development was refinanced and we received our funds back with interest. Yes, there are amazing opportunities in the property market like this one. So do you want to get a better return with lower risk on your money? Then register your interest by visiting propertyinvestory.com. Boldly going where no man has gone before. Aurora went with the honesty is always best policy, but did it pay off?
0: I still remember the first my first day at UBS, we had a team lunch uh, to, to welcome me into the team and we went out and my boss asks me, you know, so what's what's your plan for the future? What, what do you, where do you see yourself in one, two, three years from now? And I sat there and, and, and I smiled and I said, look, honestly... This time next year, I want to be doing an MBA in the UK. So it would be really great if you watch me for three months and then write a recommendation for me.
1: Well, that is quite bold, I have to admit. What what, what did you think?
0: <laughs> Honestly, she liked the honesty. So he said, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm glad you said that because a lot of people actually come here for that reason alone, but they don't talk about it. And the fact that you're talking about it make, makes me already trust you because, you know, you are absolutely open about what your intentions are. And, you know... Uh, you do what you're supposed to do and do it well and you will have a glowing reference from me and uh, You know any time after your MBA if you if you want to come back uh, I'd be more than if you if you performed well I'd be more than happy to take you back as well and and put in a good word for you. So so that honestly uh, that honesty always helped and and I've always tried to uh, you know do that in, in whatever endeavor I take up Um, and yeah three months down the line she was true to her word I had done well she wrote me a glowing recommendation letter which uh, you know another three months later got me got me uh, an acceptance from a few universities in the UK and uh, exactly a year from from that I was in the UK doing my MBA it was a one year MBA and uh, yeah made some really good connections some really good friends for life made a relationship for life out of the MBA I met I I met my future wife there she was she was uh, you know uh, she also was on the MBA program um, so we, we met there and uh, straight after the MBA we got married um, and then uh, you know, my <laughs> life's been good since then.
1: <laughs> While studying for his MBA, he was hired as a strategy consultant by the university to work for a year and a half, revamping their education programs.
0: Once I completed my MBA, I obviously applied for a few different opportunities. And JP Morgan, uh, actually Deutsche Bank came calling. Um, I joined them and, uh, you know, I was supposed to join in an investment banking associate position. Uh, But day one, when I rock up, they had a restructuring and they decided to put me in operations. Um, So I walked out of the door the next day. And um, in the meantime, you know, I had another offer from JP Morgan. So I took that up, uh, stayed with them for about a year and a half. Um, Then also tried dabbling at options trading so there was an australian firm that had a london office that was hiring at the time their name was tibra so i joined them and became an options trader for about eight months um and in that time um you know we found out that my wife who was working for barclays at the time was pregnant and uh, you know we'd all, all, all always spoken about as soon as we have to start a family we'll move to australia because she she, she was born and brought up in australia she's an australian citizen so that's where we took the call. You know, we're, we're resigning and, and starting our move to Australia. And in 2013, we moved here.
1: The lack of work-life balance was one thing when he was younger, but a shocking event shook up his mindset.
0: That's the thing about uh, investment banking. There's work and there's no life, <laughs> uh, and that's why it's it's a, it's it's a lifestyle you can afford when you when you are single or when you're you know a young married couple. Um, but I personally think once you, once you have kids, uh, if you do want to spend time, quality time with them, then something has to give. And that's where, uh, you know, it, it wasn't actually a, a planned decision. So when we moved to Australia, the plan was still to continue with investment banking. But then, you know, life throws different things at you and, and those cause you to change your plans. So after we moved to Australia, I actually um, ended up having um, a, a life-threatening injury. Um, and uh, uh, I still remember the day it was New Year's Eve and I was in the hospital and the doctor comes up to me and says I'm sorry but you'll never be able to walk again Um, and and at that time their focus was on saving my my uh, kidneys and my liver because the I'd been previously misdiagnosed by another hospital and they'd been treating me with wrong medicines Um, so that those 15 days were really critical and they focused on saving my organs instead of, you know, focusing on, on, on my leg. Um, and, and they had just given up. And, uh, I was told to go for, you know, rehab and, and do certain things to just try and be able to walk a little bit. Uh, and I still remember coming out of the hospital when we were going home, thinking to myself, my daughter's only six months old. And if I'm not able to walk again, I'll never be able to play with my, my kids. Um, and that sort of acted as a motivation for me to, you know, work hard and and prove everyone wrong. So for the next 18 months, um, I basically retaught myself to walk and run uh, against the against the doctor's advice. Um, and uh, you know, I not not only started walking again, but I started playing cricket again, which has always been a passion. Um, and my wife was a pillar of strength during that time because having a six-month-old and managing the house because I wasn't able to work. So she was working full-time managing a young kid. Um, and, and we were also, we'd all also already committed to building our first home in Australia. So all of that was happening at the same time, uh, which was, which was quite stressful. So I took up the opportunity to a do the rehab, but also make sure that, you know, I'm involved in the day to day construction of the house. Um, so that you know i could take some load off of my missus and that kind of sparked my interest in property as well because i i I saw the house being built on a day-to-day basis and then 18 months down the line once i was able to walk again and and and, you know get back to life as normal the time came to decide what i wanted to do next from a work perspective and that's when you know i thought i i just came through such a challenging experience where I could have lost everything in life and not be able to spend any time with the kids. And ha- being being a father of girls, um, you know, you barely get to spend time with them anyways once they start going to school and they grow up. So that's when my wife was getting an opportunity to start, start working for McKinsey, which would involve a lot of traveling. And we had a chat and I said, look, you do the traveling and and you do all of that. Don't worry about the kids. What I'll do is, I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur anyways, so I'll start my own business. And I'll also become a stay-at-home dad and and spend time with the girls, you know, uh, because they will have a natural bond with the mother anyways, but I will build that bond and have that work-life balance. So I'll do the school pickups, the drop-offs. I'll I'll read stories to them while my wife was traveling from Monday to Thursday on a, on her day job. She, she would fly out on a Monday, go overseas, come back on Thursday nights and I would take care of the girls uh, while managing a growing business. So, that's how it all came about, and uh, you know, <laughs> we we went from uh, you know being being I went from being an investment banker with no work life balance, to starting my own and and you know having having a balance that you know has given me that opportunity to have a very close bond with with my family and at the same time have the fulfillment of growing something from scratch.
1: His inspiring tale doesn't end there. Determined to get the recognition he deserved, he didn't let the doctors take the credit that didn't belong to them.
0: Look, I went through a lot of therapy. So it was acupuncture, acupressure, chiros, uh, osteos, physios. I did a lot of that. But then at the same time, I did a lot of natural stuff, um, which just involved doing things that felt right. uh, Because I would monitor myself on a day-to-day basis and see if I was doing a certain thing and that was making me feel better and making me feel me making my limbs feel a bit more relaxed um i would try and continue doing that even if the doctor said not to because the advice from the doctors always was don't move your limbs too much because you'll do more damage and um, about 10 months later they went from that to saying you know you don't need another surgery anymore because the the legs healed itself and, and, you know, I still remember turn, turning around to them and saying, it's not healed itself, it's taken a lot of hard work. Uh, but yeah, it has happened. So,
1: With Aurora being a stay-at-home dad in the age of COVID, what does his jet-setting wife do during the international border closures?
0: She's still at McKinsey. She's now, you know, at a, at a senior position. Uh, she still travels and uh, I still do the same. I still am the stay-at-home dad. Um, I, I work from my office a couple of days a week. Uh, and then you know, uh, I work from home the remaining days when they have their activities, etc. Uh, the last couple of years, obviously, uh, a lot of the burden has been shared around the house because my wife has been working from home, so she's taken on a lot of those duties so that I can grow the business more. Um, so, so we, we've always worked very well as a team, and and you know, um, I'm I'm forever grateful for having met her. Um, and you know, she's, she's, she's been the biggest support pillar in my life.
1: Amazing, amazing. Well, it's, it's perfect timing because then we can sort of start leading to your property journey because I know you said that the first property that you built was your home. Tell us a little bit about how, how that came about.
0: After we moved to Australia, uh, we were actually looking for a rental accommodation for us to live in. And, uh, you know, we just passed a block of land that, that was for sale. And we're like, okay, uh, don't know how property buying works in Australia. So let's just give the agent a call and find out. And uh, the agent quoted us a price range of 320 to 350 for the block of land. Um, and we're like, yeah, we, we don't have that that kind of money. We don't know whether we'll be able to get a loan. So we just put in a cheeky offer of 280. And, and uh, you know, we asked him what, what needs to be done to put an offer and the agent goes, oh, you give us a deposit of $500. And, you know, you put in an offer and we'll see if it gets accepted. We'll, we'll take it to the, to the vendor. And, uh, I still remember walking up to an ATM, drawing $500 cash, going to the, uh, to the agent's office, giving the $500 cash and saying, okay, we want to put an offer for $280,000 and, uh, walking away. And, uh, a few hours later we were driving around looking for houses and, uh, getting a call from the property agent saying, well, um, they're saying they already have an offer of 281. So they are not going to accept your offer, and uh, so they called my wife's phone, and my wife told me while I was driving, and I said, "Well, why don't you say 281 100 then?" And uh, straight away the agent laughed, and he said, "No, no, no, that's not going to happen. You'll have to increase your offer substantially." So he said, "Well, we don't, we don't have, we don't even know what we're doing. So the maximum we can think of going up to is 285." Um, he said, "Okay, I'll, I'll go back to the vendors, and a few minutes later called back saying your offer has been accepted." And, and this is for a property we, we 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 thought we had no chance of buying we were just mucking around because uh the listed price was 320 to 350 as i said um and we just ended up uh, you know we we rocked up in the evening to to our cousin's house and you know she she runs around she comes to, comes to us and asks so how was the property search today did you find anything to live in and you're like now we didn't find any rental accommodation but we bought a block of land
1: what well, about well her reaction must have been <laughs>
0: And uh, you yeah, know, next day we walked into a NAB branch and uh, spoke to the banker there and organized a loan for ourselves. And yeah, it started from there. And then we started looking for builders to build the house. And the rest, as the say, is history. And that's kind of become my motto for for the business as well and for our, all our clients. So I always encourage them to ask the question, right? I always tell them if you don't ask, you don't get. So don't think the agent is saying X, Y, Z, so it's not possible. Or don't don't think the banks banks are saying. You know, this is what's what's possible, and this isn't. If you if you put your mind to it, it is possible. If there's a problem, there will be a solution, right? Um, that's why my official title in my business is Chief Solutions Officer. <laughs> so, so you come to me with a problem and leave it with me, and I'll find the solution for you, right? Um, because because that's that's what you have to do. You 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 have to work around. And, and find a feasible solution to whatever, whatever life throws at you. And um, if you don't ask the question to the, to the agent, for example, you're not going to get, get an honest answer. So, so be frank about what your circumstances are and put your best foot forward. And if it happens, it happens. Otherwise, there's something better in store for you.
1: Sylvia Aurora's story continues in the next episode of Property Investory. He shares how one long line up in an early morning queue changed everything.
0: And my wife asked me, you know, what's the plan? We're putting deposits on all these blocks of land. What are we going to do?
1: The time that one last minute sentence threw him for a loop.
0: And suddenly turning around and saying, well, you've got this $40,000 loan, which we need you to pay off before we approve the loan. Uh, So that was a scary moment.
1: He dives into exactly what he does as a chief solutions officer.
0: There's no agenda. There's no no talk of selling anything. Uh, it's purely educational. So so every day we'll s- uh, spread some information, spread some knowledge.
1: And that's next time on Property Investor. <laughs> if you love the show, perhaps you're now ready to invest your money in a low risk, high return deal. If you are, then SMS me your name and email address on 0499881040 to become a lender. There are amazing opportunities in the property market right now and I'm looking for lenders who want to invest their money for as short as 6 months. What are you waiting for? Don't let your money just sit in the bank. To register your interest, text me your name and email address on 0499881040.